Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of a humanities-based practice of healthcare. Thanks so much for joining. Today, we're listening to Wonderful Adventures of Mrs. Seacole in Many Lands by Mary Seacole, a doctress, nurse, and businesswoman of Jamaican and Scottish heritage who traveled the world to provide care, including during the Crimean War. In this passage, Seacole is in Cruces, Panama to set up a shop when her brother is accused of poisoning a companion who is the first person in the city to die from cholera. Wonderful Adventures of Mrs. Seacole in Many Lands by Mary Seacole I went down to see the corpse. A single glance at the poor fellow showed me the terrible truth. The distressed face, sunken eyes, cramped limbs, and the discolored, shriveled skin were all symptoms which I had been familiar with very recently, and at once I pronounced the cause of death to be cholera. The Cruces people were mightily angry with me for expressing such an opinion. Even my brother, although it relieved him of the odium of a great crime, was as annoyed as the rest. But by twelve o'clock that morning, one of the Spaniards' friends was attacked similarly, and the very people who had been most angry with me a few hours previously came to me now, eager for advice. There was no doctor in Cruces. The nearest approach to one was a little, timid dentist who was there by accident and who refused to prescribe for the sufferer, and I was obliged to do my best. Selecting from my medicine chest, I never travel anywhere without it, what I deemed necessary, I went hastily to the patient and at once adopted the remedies I considered fit. It was a very obstinate case, but by dint of mustard emetics, warm fomentations, mustard plasters on the stomach and the back, and calomel, at first in large and then in gradually smaller doses, I succeeded in saving my first cholera patient in cruces. It was scarcely surprising that the cholera should spread rapidly, for fear is its powerful auxiliary, and the cruces people bowed down before the plague in slavish despair. Some thoughts on cholera. Cholera is a highly infectious bacteria that spreads through contaminated drinking water and causes profuse diarrhea, vomiting, and cramping. These symptoms can be so acute and severe that without adequate treatment, they can cause fatal dehydration within hours. Starting in 1817 and continuing throughout the century, a series of cholera pandemics disrupted the world, in part due to increasing urbanization and imperialism of this time. In Britain, over 100,000 people died, and in India, over 20 million people died. In addition to the high risk of mortality and the physical and social repugnance of rice water diarrhea, the dramatic change in appearance of those suffering from cholera 
added to the horror. Sequel describes the iconic, quote, distressed face, sunken eyes, cramped limbs, and discolored, shriveled skin that points to the diagnosis of cholera that comes from severe dehydration and electrolyte abnormalities. The blue-tinged skin from cyanosis, or low levels of oxygen in the blood, led to cholera being known as the Blue Death. For most of the 19th century, the prevailing theory for the etiology of cholera was that it came from foul air, known as miasma, that came from overpopulated and unsanitary cities. In 1854, John Snow's insight with the now-famous Broad Street Pump demonstrated that infection spread through contaminated water and helped in the outbreak by removing the handle to the pump. However, his work received little recognition by the medical community, and it was not until Koch identified vibrato cholera 30 years later that germ theory began to replace miasma theory. Seacole published her biography in 1857, and she writes with a great deal of prescience, I believe that the faculty have not yet come to the conclusion that cholera is contagious, and I am not presumptuous enough to forestall them, but my people have always considered it to be so. In a funny turn of events, it was the social changes and urban development designed to clear the toxic air that led to the waning of cholera, rather than treatments brought about by the discovery of its true etiology. Similarly, while the pace and efficacy of the COVID vaccines and antivirals is a testament to the truly wonderful power of modern medicine, these treatments have not been silver bullets. Hopefully, we can learn, in a culture fixed on individualism, to appreciate the life-saving tools of public health for clearing the miasma of misinformation and social distrust. Unfortunately, most of the treatments for cholera during this time were much less effective than Dr. Snow's intervention. The mustard emetics, warm fomentations, mustard plasters on the stomach and the back, and the calomel that Seacol uses in this passage are representative of the remedies of this age. Calomel is mercury chloride and causes diarrhea. Emetics and laxatives were commonly used for cholera as it was believed to help expel the toxic miasmas. In actuality, these treatments exacerbated dehydration. Warm fomentations or warm compresses were also a common treatment, perhaps to try to prevent the skin from becoming cool as it did during the final stages of dehydration when the skin becomes cyanotic. Again, heating patients would only increase dehydration through water loss from sweating. With great humility, Seco acknowledges, I have no doubt that at first I made some lamentable blunders and maybe lost patience, which a little later I could have saved. She later goes on to describe some of her treatments that likely helped her patients in spite of the calomel. When my patients felt thirsty, I would give them water in which cinnamon had been boiled. One stubborn attack succumbed to an additional dose of 10 grams of sugar of lead mixed in a pint of water given in doses of a tablespoonful every quarter of an hour. 
lead poisoning aside, the tablespoon of water every 15 minutes is still a technique used to hydrate patients with significant nausea. Similarly, while cinnamon may have helped the medicine go down, the true value of this treatment was in the boiling. Looking back on these treatments, it is a bit shocking, and like a riddle that's been solved, I can't really imagine how anyone think, would think laxatives for someone with diarrhea would ever seem like a good idea at the time. Looking back also makes me wonder how our healthcare will look to the eyes of the 22nd century. I suspect that one of our lamentable blunders will be the myopic focus on individual health through pills and procedures at the great expense of developing resilient communities with policy and pop culture. Unfortunately, cholera is not a disease of the past. This made headlines with the cholera epidemic after the 2010 hurricane in Haiti, but it was not an isolated incident. In 2014, over 100,000 people died of cholera. Much of the world still has inadequate access to safe drinking water, which is especially threatening after natural disasters. This episode is brought to you by drinking water. When two-thirds of you is water, it's important to stay afloat with sanitary H2O. Brush off dizziness, kidney stones, and UTIs with plenty of the good stuff. Whether you like it iced, bottled, room temp, or on tap, this is the drink for you. Stay great and hydrate. Seacole describes herself as both a nurse and doctress. And this passage displays a full range of her clinical skills. Having had experience treating patients with cholera in Jamaica before coming to Cruces, she's able to diagnose this with a single glance, and she pronounces the cause of death. Likewise, she prescribes medications for patients from her medicine chest, which she takes on all her travels. With each of these actions, she highlights her clinical reasoning. She details the physical signs that point to the diagnosis of cholera, and the description of her selection of therapies is filled with verbs like selecting, deemed, adopted, and considered fit. We also see her courage when she stands by her diagnosis despite public scorn, and when she goes hastily to the patient while the little timid dentist is too scared to prescribe. Finally, she shows the proof of her abilities through the people who turn to her eager for advice, despite their initial outrage. And she concludes, I succeeded in saving my first cholera patient in Cruces, which was a very obstinate case at that. In spite of this clear demonstration of clinical acumen, she tempers her expertise. With regards to her diagnosis of cholera, she labels it, quote, an opinion. She also makes a point to qualify that the reason she treated patients was that there was no doctor in Cruces. Moreover, she says the nearest approach to a doctor was the dentist, when clearly she is as capable with diagnosis and treatment of cholera as the doctors of the day. While the comparison to the little timid dentist does serve to elevate Sequel's courage and adaptability, by phrasing the contrast in this way, she calls attention to her lack of formal medical training. 
Why does she do this cautious dance of two steps forward and one step back? She's clearly a very confident woman, and in other parts, she is more assertive of her pride for her clinical skills. So why does she grow timid here? I suspect that this is an effort, whether conscious or unconscious, to not overreach her formal position and thereby lose her Victorian readers. In this way, her writing manages to keep a toe in her social strata and also demand recognition for her clinical expertise on par with the doctors of the time. The seeming ease with which she pulls off this acrobatic feat speaks to the skill of her prose. Healthcare remains hierarchical. Nurses are trained in communication techniques to convey worries about patient care in ways that minimize disruptions to this hierarchy. One acronym, CUSSING, C-U-S, encourages the phrases, I'm concerned, I'm uncomfortable, this is a safety issue. The first two phrases focus on the person's feelings, which creates a distance from their reasoning and only indirectly suggest an error. It is only if this does not work that the third phrase places the concerns directly. And even this language is cautious. It is not a medical error, but a safety issue. The need for such strategies shows how sensitive pointing out errors can be, and also the vulnerability of nurses within the healthcare system. Just as Sequel does, these tools help nurses keep a fine balance in a stiff hierarchy. Wonderful Adventures of Mrs. Seekel in Many Lands by Mary Seekel. I went down to see the corpse. A single glance at the poor fellow showed me the terrible truth. The distressed face, sunken eyes, cramped limbs, and the discolored, shriveled skin were all symptoms which I had been familiar with very recently and at once I pronounced the cause of death to be cholera. The Cruces people were mightily angry with me for expressing such an opinion. Even my brother, although it relieved him of the odium of a great crime, was as annoyed as the rest. But by twelve o'clock that morning, one of the Spaniards' friends was attacked similarly, and the very people who had been most angry with me a few hours previously came to me now eager for advice. There was no doctor in Cruces. The nearest approach to one was a little, timid dentist who was there by accident and who refused to prescribe for the sufferer. And I was obliged to do my best. Selecting from my medicine chest, I never travel anywhere without it. What I deemed necessary, I went hastily to the patient and at once adopted the remedies I considered fit. It was a very obstinate case, but by dint of mustard emetics, warm fomentations, mustard plasters on the stomach and the back, and calomel, at first in large and then in gradually smaller doses, I succeeded in saving my first cholera patient in cruces. It was scarcely surprising that the cholera should spread rapidly, for fear is its powerful auxiliary and the Cruces people bowed down before the plague in slavish despair. 
Wonderful Adventures of Mrs. Seacole in Many Lands by Mary Seacole was published in 1857 and is now part of public domain. You can find show notes for this episode at anauscultation.wordpress.com and you can send comments, suggestions, and questions to the Twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com. Auscultation is produced and recorded on the ancestral home of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.